Would you turn your Bible to the book of the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're glad to have our primaries with us today. God bless you boys and girls. We're so thankful for you and for our primary leadership. We're so thankful for our juniors who are in this room. And also our Compassion Chapel are in the class today, in the, in the service today. God bless you. Our Bibles are open to John chapter 14. There are probably two greatly beloved chapters in the Bible, maybe more than any others. One is Psalm 23, the other is John 14. Both of these chapters have been with us through the ages when we've stood in sorrow and hurt and disappointment. I'm sure that many of us have gone to these chapters time and again to receive encouragement and strength for the day. On the night before the Lord Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he gathered his best friends, the disciples, together and began to talk to them about his decease in Jerusalem. That he was going to die for the sins of the world. Their hearts were broken. They loved Jesus. They'd been with him for three years. They had listened to him speak. They'd seen him when he was angry and he drove the money changers from the temple. They had heard him weep over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thee? As a mother hen would gather her chicks, but you would not. They had heard the greatest instruction had ever been given by a human being. The Sermon on the Mount. They had slept near Jesus. They had eaten with him. And little by little, they were beginning to understand that he was the Messiah. On one occasion, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And some said, well... Some people are saying, you're Jeremiah, or you're one of the prophets. But who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. They began to realize who he was. But they didn't know all that that meant. They didn't understand all that it meant for him to be the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Somehow in the back of their minds, they still felt that this would be a Messiah who would overthrow the Roman Empire. Get rid of the Roman soldiers and the insurgents out of the city. Throw off Herod, the despised Edomite pretender king who said he was the king of the Jews. They did not know what we know about Jesus. And in the face of all that, Talking about his decease on the cross, that was more than they could take. They didn't understand it. They began to weep. Their hearts were heavy. Just like some of your hearts have been heavy. And Jesus began to say to them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Some of the most important words ever uttered. Jesus' response to the troubled heart. Have you got a troubled heart today? Today we're observing Valentine Day. This is a great and glorious day. Many of you have given Valentines to others. Many of you are wearing corsages. You've given candy to your sweetheart or your wife. I read this about where Valentine Day began. St. Valentine was a bishop and a martyr in the early church. He was put to death at Rome for his faith during the persecution under Claudius II on February the 14th, 270 A.D. That's a long time ago. There was something about his life that reminded people of love. And he was always giving. He was always showing appreciation. In its origin, Valentine Day was not a sweetheart day. It was a heart day. Much like the heart month that we observe when we're trying to get people to give donations to the heart fund to do research. It was an appreciation day. A day when we sent notes one to the other of those that we appreciated. It developed later into a love-heart relationship in which the focus was on giving your heart to somebody. And you gave it in the form of a piece of candy or a valentine shaped like a heart. Or you gave it in love. But in its origin, this day was a day when Valentine, St. Valentine, gave his life for the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. The 14th of February, 270 A.D. They had come to him and asked him to recant of his faith. He was like Polycarp of old who said, The Lord has been with me all of these 80 years. He would not forsake me, and I'm not going to forsake him. And they took him away to his death. Claudius II, terrible persecution. 200 years after the Lord Jesus went to the cross for our sins. With that in mind, and that in the background, I thought today we would base the message on the most important passage of Scripture that relates to the heart. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Now what does the word heart mean or refer to? 
The word in the Old Testament for heart is lib, L-E-B, or, or libob. In the New Testament, the Greek word is cardia. Thus we have cardiac arrest, or the cardia, related to the heart. When we speak of the heart, and when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, and when we say, with all my heart I love you, or with all my heart I promise to do such and such a thing, we're not really talking about this organ that the surgeons can operate on. We're talking about with all the totality of our lives. In the Old Testament, the term heart referred to the corporate personality because they did not think in just terms of organs in our body. They thought of our totality. Thus, Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and I will wait till my change come. And in my flesh shall I see God. Another translation says, out of my flesh shall I see God. The point he was making is, with all of my totality of being, I believe God. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He didn't just believe with the organ of the heart or with the mental prowess. He was saying, with all there is of me, I believe. Now, actually, that's what two people come to the marriage altar to say. They don't come and just say, well, look, this organ of the heart, I, I, with that thing, I love you. <laughs> if that were true, if he got a heart transplant, he wouldn't have to love him anymore. What two people are saying is, when they come to that marriage altar, they're saying, with all there is of me, I give myself to you. Now that's what we say when we come to Jesus. With all there is of me, I give myself to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, he was saying, with all there is in you, the total corporate personality that you are, don't let it be all upset and messed up, hurt, troubled. The Bible has a whole lot to say about the heart. And in every instance, it's related to what I've just said. The book of Proverbs says 21 things about the heart. Listen. The heart is the seat of wisdom, Proverbs 2.10. The heart is the seat of trust or confidence, Proverbs 3.5. Out of the heart, there is diligence, Proverbs 4.23. The heart is the seat of perverseness, Proverbs 6.14. The heart is the seat of wicked imaginations, Proverbs 6, 18. The heart is the seat of lust, chapter 6, verse 25. The heart is the seat of subtility, chapter 7, verse 10. The heart is the seat of understanding, chapter 8, verse 5. The heart is deceitful. It's the seat of deceit, Proverbs 12, 20. It is the seat of folly, Proverbs 12, 23. It is the place of heaviness. Proverbs 12, 25. It is the dwelling place of bitterness. Proverbs 14, 10. It is that about which we are affected when we sorrow. Proverbs 14, 13. And in Proverbs 14, 14, the Bible says that the backslider 
has backslidden in his heart. In chapter 15, verse 13, cheerfulness comes from the heart. In chapter 15, verse 14, knowledge comes from the heart. Chapter 15, verse 30, joy comes from the heart. Chapter 16, verse 5, pride comes from the heart. And in chapter 18, 12, haughtiness. In chapter 18, 15, prudishness. Chapter 19, 3, fretfulness. And in Proverbs 23, verse 17, envy. All those things from the heart. And did you notice that in the list, there were many more perverse things than there were good things? And the reason for that is because God says that man is deceitful. His heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We can't even know it ourselves. There is lust and envy and pride and haughtiness and ill will. All those things are in the heart. Jesus put it this way. He said, out of the heart proceed the issues of life. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In Matthew 5, 28, sin is first conceived in the heart. In Matthew 15, 19, out of the heart proceed the evil things and evil thoughts. And in Matthew 18, 35, forgiveness must come from the heart. If we do not from our heart forgive one another, neither can we receive God's forgiveness. And in Luke 8, 11 through 15, the word of God is sown in the heart and must come to fruition in the heart. Now when we talk about the heart, we're not talking about this organ that the doctors operate on. We're talking about the very person you are. From the tip of your head to the tip of your toe, all you are, that's what the scripture refers to as the heart. We are deceitful. We are filled with pride. But we can also be filled with joy. We can be filled with forgiveness. We can be filled with love. When Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, have you ever thought, what is it that causes the troubled heart? What causes people to have troubled heart? Now listen, do you know little kids can have troubled hearts? I was in a, a store not long ago, and, and a, I saw a little boy crying. He just was broken hearted. I went up to him and I asked him what was the problem. He said, I can't find my mother. Now that little boy was troubled. He was hurting all over. He wasn't just trouble in his mind or in his foot or his hand. He was troubled all over. We went to the owner of the store and they put on a PA system and called for this boy's mother. And pretty soon she started coming. And you know, he was standing by me all this time. But the moment he saw her, he just lit out and he just hugged her. And all of his trouble went away. We're troubled about many things. I want to give you seven. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Sometimes we're expecting certain things to happen. And the reason we're expecting is not because somebody necessarily promised it, but it's the way life goes. Job had it that way. He was wealthy. He was respected. He was honored. He had good children. 
He had lands, had a wife that took care of him. And all of a sudden, calamity came. It just all fell in. The whole world fell in on him one day. His children were killed, his lands were confiscated, and his wife said, you old fool, curse God and die. Now Job was troubled. He had reason to hope that all of life would be like it began. But the trouble clouds came. And I want to tell you today, the trouble clouds move in on us. If they haven't come to you yet, they're coming. One way or the other, trouble will come your way. The awful problem of the home. Unbelievable in magnitude today. A couple stand at the wedding marriage altar. And they have every reason in the world to think that they're going to have joy and peace and, and glory all of their lives. I, I don't think that most couples standing at the marriage altar are deceived into thinking they'll never have any problems. Certainly they're going to have problems. They know there are going to be some pressures. They know there will be some tears. They know there will be some agony. They know there will be some financial problems. But they have every reason in the world to believe that they're going to be true to each other and love each other all their lives. And then down the years, trouble marches in. And somebody invades the privacy of that home. And a husband or a wife, unfaithful. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's hardly anything more sickening than for somebody you believed in and you trusted and knew would be loyal to you. Turn their back and walk away. Now Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Well, Lord, how can I help but have a troubled heart? Dearest one on earth has forsaken me. What can I do? You have a job. Things are going well. And then the factory closes. You had every reason in the world to think you'd have a job for all the years until you retire. And then suddenly you're cast out into a world with no job. And you wonder, what in the world can I do? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There are lots of reasons for troubled hearts. Love disappointed. Financial pressures. War dread. You know, none of us knows what's going to happen in our world. What I, I'm about to say may not be very popular. I believe there are some things worth fighting for. I don't believe it's better to be alive than to be red. I sort of believe it would be just as well to be dead as to be red. And I believe if we do not stop the communists, and listen to me, they have not changed one iota their world plan for dominion 
Hadn't changed a bit. Just like it was when Lenin said it, when Stalin said it, whoever said it. They all say the same thing. They may couch it in different words. If we don't stop it in Guatemala, will we stop it in Mexico? If we don't stop it in Mexico, will we stop it at the Rio Grande? Or the Mississippi? Or the Ohio River? Where will we stop it? Or will we not? Will we say it's better to be alive than to be dead? It's better to be red than to be dead. Well, we had a generation of Americans in the 1940s who felt like they'd like to stay home. But they knew our nation was at severe testing. And they said goodbye to their sweethearts and goodbye to their mothers and daddies and their brothers and sisters and their children. And they went out to the Pacific and they went out to the Atlantic and they went over to the Normandy invasion and they went over to the Korean and the Okinawa invasion and some of them did not come back. And you go to Washington today and you see that marvelous flag of the Iwo Jima invasion with those Marines lifting the flag on that little island as if to say, it's worth it to come way out here to defend my America. But I want to tell you, those are troubled times when that happens. When you receive a telegram, Buddy's not coming home. He was killed in action. War fear. War dread causes troubled hearts. Loved ones taken away. All of us were saddened when that precious young boy who had received a heart transplant gallantly fought for life and others gave to help him. His funeral will be tomorrow. Our hearts go out to mom and dad. Our hearts go out to those who have gone through the valley of, the, of suffering and of sorrow and of hurt. Many in this room today and within the sound of my voice by radio have walked through valleys or you're even now waiting to receive word that some dear precious loved one is soon going to be taken away. And it hurts. That's a cause for a troubled heart. Failure fear is another cause for troubled heart. Failure fear. A lot of people avoid doing something in life because they're, they're afraid they won't succeed. They're afraid they'll fail so they don't ever try it. Listen, young people. Risk failure in order to do what God wants you to do. If we did not risk failure, we would never accomplish anything. Those seven astronauts that went off into oblivion a year or two ago are heroes. Some had said, well, I guess we better stay at home anymore. We're not sending our spacemen out. They might explode. They might get killed. They might die. That's right. They might. But thank God for a generation of Americans who say, we're going anyway. We're going on to the skies. We're going to explore the outer space as long as far as God will let us go because that's what the scripture told us to do. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue, get everything under mankind. But remember that mankind is under God. And we have a missing spiritual link in the generation of today 
with all of the technology we have, we do not know how to control it morally because we've left God out. We say, I can handle this job all by myself, no help wanted. And that in itself is cause for trouble. The children of Israel went to Kadesh Barnea. God said, I want you to go across and possess this land. And they said, uh, oh my, we can't do that. Why, there are giants over there. And we're just like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do it. Reminds me. You know, I, daddies, listen. We need to build into our boys fearlessness. And I sh I'm sure into our girls too. But it, it may be not as dangerous for girls to be. They girls need to be a little bit afraid. I could understand the other night why girls wouldn't want to get out. Or ladies wouldn't want to get out and drive in the snow. It's hard for me to understand men not doing that. But I don't understand, I can understand ladies being a little bit afraid. I think ladies ought to be afraid to walk down the dark alley. But for men, we need to teach our young men fearlessness. I came home one day, bullied by some old boy at school. <laughs> I got the sympathy of my mother, but I didn't my daddy. My dad said, uh, where is this boy? I said, well, he's, he's down there in that field. He said, well, come on. He went back and he said, now you go in there. Don't you dare be scared of him. You go in there and beat him up. <laughs> now, now, I, I want to get all, away from behind the pulpit. I'm not saying that that's scriptural. I don't know, but that's what he said. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, well, he'll beat me up. He said, you go in there. I'll beat you if you don't go in there and beat him up. With all the stamina and courage I could gather, I got him there and I just went like this. I went first. He wasn't even expecting me. He knocked down on the floor. Well, I won't tell you all the rest of it, but I was taught not to be afraid. And I don't believe people ought to be afraid. God take the fear of faces from us. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Fear, fear of failure. Failure, fear, sometimes paralyzes us, and we're troubled. Jesus said, I don't want you to be like that. Sins unforgiven and unconfessed cause trouble. The scripture says, he that hideth his sins, trouble. But when we confess our sins and forsake them, we're forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Their sins of omission, their sins of commission. There are big men and big women in this room right now who are scared of your shadow because you've not confessed some sins in your life. You've let them hover around you and become skeletons in your closet and you jump every time you hear a dog bark. I think that's the reason some of you are afraid of dogs. Now, I think you need to respect certain dogs and respect certain curves, but I don't believe you ought to be afraid. Old Duke is over there at Jeff's house and I went over there to see Jeff and Duke went, bah, 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 bah. You know, he barked and barked and barked and barked and barked. Well, he didn't scare me. I love him. I went up and said, I didn't know his name then. I said, Doggy, you're a good little dog. I like you. Come on. And he put his nose up there and barked and barked and barked and barked. And do you know what? I went by to see him yesterday. 
And before Jeff ever came to the door, I was petting Duke. And he runs everybody off. You don't have to be scared. Now you need to know which ones to respect. I saw a pit bull yesterday. I drove up in this house, to this house. I saw him sitting there and I just sat there a few minutes. I respect him. Pretty soon the, some people came to the door and said, come here. <laughs> they came over to my car. I talked to him that way. Now I wasn't scared of him, I just respected him. No sense in tempting. It is written, thou shalt not tempt. <laughs> now ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to have troubled hearts. Some of you came into this meeting or tuned in the radio this morning with trouble written all over your soul. You're hurting. I don't know what the hurt's for. Maybe you're in sorrow. Maybe you're in sadness. Maybe you've failed somewhere along the line. Maybe you've got some sin you've never told to God about, talked to God about. You've never put it under the blood. And my friend, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I pray that you'll be afraid of death. Death is that grim reaper that wraps his icicle fingers around us and we don't ever return. And foolish is that man, woman, boy, or girl who goes down in death without having given his sins to Jesus. And put his faith in the Lord Christ. When Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Thomas said, Lord, we'd like to follow you, but we don't know where you're going. We don't know how to get there. And Jesus said, here's the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And if you'll come, I'll not cast you out. That invitation is just as open today as it was when the Lord spoke it. If you'll come with your sorrow, your hurt, your trouble, your fear, your failure, your sin, your guilt, your lack of faith, your questions, and just come, Jesus said, I'll not cast you out. Will you come to him today? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Some of you have been saved, but you've never been baptized. You've been hiding behind fear. You're sort of scared. God wants to deliver you from that fear. Why don't you just step out for him and say, by the grace of God, my trust is in Jesus. And he promised he'd never leave me nor forsake me. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Our Father, we thank you for this time together to look at what Jesus said about the troubled heart. We pray that we'll deliver men and women and boys and girls today from trouble as they place their troubles and their hurts and their sorrows and their sins upon the Lord Jesus and believe his promise. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. Number 252, come every soul by sin oppressed. There is mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. I want to ask you today to come to Jesus just as you are. Would you do it? God help you to do it.
252. Now listen to the invitation a moment. Perhaps you have been saved, but you have not confessed Christ openly. You need to come today and take an open stand for Jesus. Maybe you've been saved, but you have not been baptized. You need to come and say, by the grace of God, I will follow my Lord in baptism and stand for Christ. Maybe you've never been saved, or maybe just in the privacy of your own heart, you've been talking to God, but there's come now that date when you need to take that open stand and say, Lord, this is heart day. This is Valentine Sunday. It's symbolized by that man on February 14th, 250 A.D. gave his life for his faith in Jesus. Lord, I want to give my life on the line for you and I want to take a stand and come and confess you openly as my Savior. Would you do it? God help you. We'll be waiting for you. As we begin to sing, who will step out first for the King? Will you come quickly? God help you to do it.